Oh, I've got one. I've got one. Okay. Where's a baseball cap? <laughs> Where's a baseball cap? Sideways. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Clear sign of a hacker. Smashing Security, episode 009, False Flags and Hacker Clues, with Carol Terrio, Vanya Schweitzer and Graham Cluley. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Smashing Security, episode 9 for Thursday the 23rd of February 2017. My name's Graham Cluley and I'm joined by my buddies as usual, it's Carol Terrio and Vanya Schweitzer. Hi guys. Bonjour les amis. Hi Graham and Carol. <laughs> well, have you all been have have you been having a good week since our last regular episode? I spent most of my week in IKEA. <laughs> Vanya, you need to be careful because I've heard Sweden is a fairly dangerous place. Oh, don't. Oh, don't. is it? <laughs> According to a very reliable source, it's not something I read in the mainstream media, let me tell you. No, oh. I, went up, I went above <laughs> Clearly them. you don't hear that in uh, mainstream media. You went to the source. I went to a reliable source and found out Sweden very dangerous. So you've got to be careful with those IKEA trips. All right. As usual, we are each going to tackle a topic, something which has uh, caught our imagination or we, we were interested in this week in the world of computer security. And I'm going to ask you this, right? Uh, guys, have you, uh, do, you, do you like James Bond movies? Yes. All right. Yeah, they're all right, aren't they? Um, do you remember You Only Live Twice mm. with Sean Connery? And it's the one where he 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 becomes a Japanese fisherman. Oh, Do you yes, remember that? I remember. I remember that. If you remember Blofeld, who's the baddie, the bald baddie, right? Mm -hmm. He's the guy with a cat. It, he's got a cat. a cat. He's got a scar. You know, he's got it all going on. He's a got a little chair. Yep, Nehru jacket. You know, he mm -hmm. is. He, he's like Doctor Evil, basically. Basically, it's, it's surprising actually that the the um, not Wayne's World. What's it called? I can't remember. Wow, you are digressing here. The, Br the British thingy. <laughs> the British thing, which yeah. I've forgotten the name of. Austin Powers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Austin it's Powers. amazing that Austin Powers haven't sued the James Bond franchise for ripping them off with You Only Live Twice. Hard, hard to believe that they did that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, right. There's this great bit in the movie, right, where there is a um, there's an American spacecraft in orbit and it gets destroyed, or so it appears. It disappears off the radar. And then the Soviets, as it was back then, they send up a, a spaceship as well, and that gets destroyed. And so the Americans are blaming the Soviets. The Soviets, Soviets are blaming the Americans. Americans. In reality, it is Blofeld, who's got this great big spaceship in orbit, which is gobbling up other people's spaceships and taking yeah. them hostage, right? Yeah, yeah, in order to create a huge war. Yeah. Now, you might be asking, what has this got to do with computer security? Well, it's all about false flags. It's all about pointing people in the wrong direction in order to divert their attention from what is really going on and maybe to cause a problem somewhere else. And there is a hacking group called the Lazarus Group, and they've been linked to a number of hacking activities. They've been around for years. Well, they've been, they've been up to some mischief. Yeah, um, a few years. Yeah, yeah. A, few, a few years. So they've been linked to the theft of $81 million from a central bank in Bangladesh last year. Last, yeah, yeah. There have been attacks where it appears they, they've been uh, abusing the SWIFT network system in order to manipulate computers and steal money from banks. Maybe they've stolen as much as $950 million. And some people have even linked them possibly to the attack against Sony Pictures, which, of course, was huge news a, yeah, a, a yeah. few years ago when that happened. Well, 
they've been in the news again recently because there have been a number of malware attacks against banks in Poland and other places around. And the guys at BEA Systems, the researchers there, have been looking at some of the malware that's being used. And they've come to an interesting conclusion. They think this malware is actually pretending to come from Russia. They think what's happening is messages have been put in the malware to make it appear, at first glance, to the typical Western computer security researcher, oh, this must have been written by a Russian speaker. Yeah, which makes sense. Like Poland and like Polish banks, who would else attack them? Russians, the usual suspects. You know, things have changed in a decade. Do you remember the love bug? The guy, I think, actually put in his CV, didn't he? Yeah, that was Michael Boone, a friend yeah. of the guy who wrote The Love Bug. That's, that's right, right, that's right. So, and now we have people actually trying to misguide and almost try and give people fake sense, fake routes to, to, to go down. Which kind of makes sense. You, they try to deceive you. So they try off you off the track of you try to attribute who this malware, piece of malware, whatever attack belongs to. Or it's a double bluff, right? Yes. It's a double bluff. That's much more interesting. Those crafty Russians. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 yeah, so imagine you've got you've got Russian guy who gets this thing translated in English, puts it into Google Translate to get a kind of weird sounding <laughs> Russian and puts it back into the code. Well, Boom. you're right. We, we, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know who's really written this thing, right? Even if it was found that it was sending information back to Russian servers, it doesn't necessarily mean that those servers aren't under the control of someone in Belgium or North Korea or, or wherever. But it's still a really interesting finding from BAE, though. I think that's quite... I, I love that people still do actual research and go really in-depth in these things. So oh, yeah. That's really and, cool. and it does look as though the attempt to throw people off the center... Let's imagine, for instance, that it's not the Russians doing a double bluff. It looks like it was a fairly amateur attempt because mm. it looks like they were using online translation services to find some Russian words which were put in maybe in the wrong tense or whatever or with some elementary mistakes which native Russian speakers would say, that's not right. Um, although they'd probably say it in a sort of deep Russian-style accent. Uh, if only we had an <laughs> Eastern European here who could do a, a it, convincing... It, it seems like uh, actually being a linguistic expert these days <laughs> is also one of those things that are required if you are a security researcher looking at the malware pieces. So one of the theories, I mentioned earlier that this Lazarus group, uh, they have been tied to the Sony Pictures hack. And, of course... It was widely reported that North Korea might have been behind the Sony Pictures hack. I don't know if that's true or not. But you then begin to speculate, if it is North Korea who's attacking all these banks, which has stolen or attempted to steal something like $950 million from banks, that's kind of a big story, isn't it? I wonder, is it plausible that North Korea might want some foreign currency <laughs> are they running out of money for their nuclear experiments who knows hard to say for certain but it's interesting and i think the one takeaway we can take away from this is that it's very difficult to reliably attribute an attack to anybody in the current climate there's lots of accusations being made about russian hacking of course against america we shouldn't and i'm sure there is russian hacking going on left right and center but as of course there's also hacking from us and exactly. other countries around the world exactly yes. well I'm that's sure. rarely mentioned yes but everybody's hacking essentially everybody is hacking and it can be very very difficult to work out who is hacking who or in other words hackers live everywhere yeah you know hackers are not just based in one it's, country it's just some people call it hackers or attackers, or some people are defending, but they're offending in an offensive way. 
Yeah, offensive defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, well, let's move on. Vanya, what have you got for us? Well, I found this uh, topic for this week, which is kind of pretty relevant to me because I recently bought a car. I bought a used car, pretty cool. new yeah. still. Um, so I noticed that um, this week, well, as a part of the RSA conference, one of the researchers of IBM X-Force, his, his name is Charles Henderson, and he presented work, or he did a similar thing. He bought a car. And as like, as you probably know, a lot of these new cars are so-called connected cars. They are part of the internet of things. Um, and it seems that with the car, which you can, you know, get all sorts of additional features, such as uh, a, a smartphone app where mm-hmm. you can actually uh, connect to your car yeah. and you, you can look at the sta- status of the engine. You can see some of the systems. Uh, among other things, if you if you lose your car on the parking lot, you can honk the honk so you can see where your car is. Uh, but you can also lock and unlock the car using the phone. So what, what Charles discovered that when he sold his car, mm-hmm. as a security researcher, he essentially reset all oh. the all the stuff disconnected himself tried yes. to disconnect himself from the car yeah. sensible fellow if only everybody did that exactly right. of course as as you would as you would yes um it turns out that his app on the phone was still connected with the car so there was no way for him to remove himself uh, as a previous owner from his car so he tur- it turns out he could still connect to the car and he could still unlock the car, regardless of the, the new owner is. See, that's really interesting. Because I was just talking to someone about this today, that if you have apps, for example, on your phone, you know, so, so an app you don't need anymore, perhaps like this app you're talking about, and you delete that app, that doesn't necessarily mean the account that you have on that app is deleted. Absolutely. That's right. Often, often when you reinstall the app, they, the app just kind yeah. of remembers you. All the, all the, yeah, yeah, pulls all the data for, for, for you. And this is the, the similar thing. There's, a, there was a central repository, the manufacturer database, which connected the phone or the app with the car. It's, they were paired. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems that there was no way for the owner, either the new or the old owner, to reset that value. So the only way to do it was through wow. a, 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 a registered kind of dealer, through a, garage, through a garage, a dealer who had the ability to do it. But imagine the dealer, what if you send it to sell your car to a private owner, yeah. pri- private, yeah. you know, privately, and then how would the next guy know that your old phone of the previous owner is still connected to the Right. App? So right. the new owner doesn't realize that the old owner can still track that car, find out where it is. They could even unlock it using the app and they could potentially steal it or steal something from inside the car as well. Or worse, or worse, change the seat settings. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's annoying. Change the mirror. Ah! The worst possible thing that could happen. Ah, the mirror has changed. It's funny that you say that, Carol, because, of course, you have a very tall partner. Um, so <laughs> seat settings are particularly uncomfortable in my experience uh, when I've got in the car after he's been in it. <laughs> so well. the question is, like, what, what can we do? Like, you know, there, there's an obvious problem. The new cars are coming. The, the older cars, the, the used cars, the secondhand cars will become older and older. And it's, it's not the fact that we, he discovered this connection between the app and the, the car still exists. But the fact is that the older cars will have similar issues. And that manufacturers would unlikely be kind of, uh, uh, they wouldn't be 
motivated to to do that because they're driven by the sales of the new cars not by the sales of used cars because i i don't know about i don't know anything about cars right if i was on an episode of crime watch if i if, if, if i was on a show where they were asking me to be a witness to a crime and report what kind of car the villain was driving off in i'd be able to tell them the color of the car maybe if it wasn't too dark uh, you've and- got very small eyes graham i'm not even sure you could get that <laughs> bloody rude Uh, and i'd also be able to tell them the number of wheels on the car right i wouldn't be able to tell them the make of the car or something like that so when i choose a car i i I know nothing about engine performance and things like that but i'd be able to i'd say oh well the seat is quite comfortable and the radio's nice you know and oh i can plug in my phone or something like that it's these bells and whistles which actually matter to me and i'm sure many people will be more swayed these days by the sat nav and all the gadgetry and maybe the cameras on the corners of the car and things which help you park and stuff like that, rather than other elements of the car. And the manufacturers know this, so they're all desperate to integrate this kind of technology or have an app for their car. Yeah, and that's the thing. The people are asking, is your car connected? Can I do, you know, can I connect to internet? What does it do, like uh, with with an app or whatever? And and in fact, I'm I'm completely opposite of you. For for me, it's mostly, you know, the engine. If I see something super modern, I go, "Uh, that's going to be so old in two years' time. I'd like to make a prediction. I'd like to make a prediction that it's going to, the same thing's going to happen. We just seen that the Nokia is releasing its 3310 again due to high demand for a kind of safe phone, you know? So yeah. maybe we need the same thing here is we're going to be a demand for a car that gets you from A to B without all the smart gizmos. It'll just be back to basics, the kiss rule. Well, I'm sure that will appeal to some people, but there'll be other people. I mean, my car, I, so I've just sold my old car. You, you know Audrey, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've so Audrey was my beloved car, a Nissan Figaro made in 1992, only in Japan, right? Pre-family car, pre-family car. A kind of pre-family car. And I finally, rather belatedly, got round to actually selling it. So it's now gone. It's a lovely metrosexual car. I'm sorry. Yeah, a lovely metrosexual car. It's very masculine. (laughs) And uh, it's now out of my life. Hairdresser car. Hairdresser. It's it's not a hairdresser car. Um, Anyway... Anyway, it, it's it's out of my life now. And that, of course, was a car which didn't have all of these gizmos. My regular car, which I use for work, does have an app, uh, which I can put on my smartphone. And I can, I believe, even run Twitter and Facebook on my car. Now, I've never <sighs> wanted to because... Ugh, yeah, exactly. No, Why but your, would car, I... your car, though, you've driven me places before in your car, and it is the most annoying car in the world, the <laughs> amount of information it tells you. You can't do anything without it blinking ah. and beeping at you and being, yeah, smart, th- th- being think, smart for you. I think the best simple feature is that it can actually show what's, your, what's what on the screen. You can mirror your fo- screen of, the, of your phone. Uh, so you can actually use oh, any yes. of the apps you have on the phone. And right. so, so you're not necessarily connected with the tech in the car. Um, with you know, right. it ca- can't go easily out of date. You simply have a screen. Yeah, I think that's a sensible idea. I'm glad that my phone can't remotely unlock my car, that it can't do a, a geographical lookup to find out where I parked it. Uh, I, those sort of things would worry me because I'd worry about the app security as well as the car's security as well. This story that you've just shared with us, Vanya, as well, and we'll put some links in the show notes, that worries me too. And I think there are too many manufacturers who are rushing to integrate this kind of technology and aren't thinking of properly of the security considerations. Because like you said, sounds like even if you were to trade it into a regular dealer, they may well not actually 
disconnect your account from the car, which is a risk to the next person. Well, yeah, knowing your regular regular dealers, like, you know, would they actually spend time doing that? Yeah. Because, you know, it doesn't bring them any money. You know what? It'd be really good to hear from people who work within, in cybersecurity in the car industry to tell us about how they're dealing with this problem. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think a, a really reasonable thing would be like similar to iCloud with, with iPhones. You know, you can actually reset the, the phone through the iCloud, make sure that you know, n- nothing that you owned was now part of the car. Um, so that app is not connected. Like you, it should be possible for the new owner to reset all the previous owners. Mm. Yeah, sensible advice. Okay, Carol, what have you got for us? Okay, topic three. So I wanted to talk about this thing I saw, which I found a little bit shocking, and I wanted to uh, see what you guys thought. So this is about a Liverpool group called YouthFed, and they've created a program called Hackers to Heroes. So the mission of this program is to encourage kids into computer, you know, that are into computers into lucrative careers in cybersecurity rather than to cybercrime. Okay, so good enough. I think that's great. Um, now, as part of the project, um, they've included this list of 16 hacker indicators uh, with the idea of helping parents recognize the signs of, you know, this, my, son's, my son or my daughter's a hacker early in the process. Okay. Um, now, I took a look at this list and I was like, how the heck could you say that? <laughs> I was a little bit. So, and then I thought, actually, why don't we play a little game, right? So, you two dudes were into computers um, in your teens, in your young teens. Yeah, yeah. So, why don't we imagine you guys are 15 today, okay. right? Don't do the broken voices, please. That will be good. <laughs> But uh, and I'm going to read out a few of these, right? And I'd like to see what, if you guys would say, "Yeah, that was me." You know, okay. I'll, I'll have to play devil's advocate here, and and I have to kind of ask, why is it bad for kids to be hackers as long as they are kind of not doing anything too much illegal? Well, that is a very, very good question because I think a lot of people learn about how to become a you know a, a white hacker or being able to do things like penetration testing through Absolutely. that kind of learning. Vulnerability right? so, research, it's all it's all very important. But, we can also see that there's obviously a cost-benefit analysis. It's okay if they, you know, they kind of look around, but they can also, co- we've seen a lot of kids do a lot of horrible things and they didn't realize that was going to happen, right? If they've released viruses, for example, and we've, you know, the big mass mailers and stuff. Yep. Okay, so on with the, on with the little game here. So, okay. No, okay, so there's 16 of them. I'll just name, I'll read out a few. So and, exciting, so exciting. Yes. Okay, you ready? Okay, so yes. they spend most, did you spend most of your free time alone on a computer? Hmm. Hmm. Ooh, big, indi- I think that's a yes um. on both of your sides. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, ZX81. Very likely. Okay. Yeah. They have few real friends, but talk extensively to online friends about computers. Well, the, the first half is still true. Uh, few friends. Um, <laughs> They're, both sure. They're both I'm, here. They're both here. I mean, speaking online, well, we're doing that right now. Um, so, <laughs> I, I'm an introvert and I rarely talk, as you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then um, they have multiple social media profiles and email addresses. <laughs> I mean, who I mean, does Everybody has that. Right? Yes, yes, like, of course. And they're yes. online so much that it affects their sleeping habits. I mean, if they, if they are gamers, <laughs> if they're gamers, if they're looking at, God forbid, kids be looking you know, at porn at that age. Right? Oh, my word. Well, oh, goodness be, me. You'd be, looking, you'd be trying to figure out how the other sex works. Are you saying at 15 we would look at porn? Surely not. Oh. We would just play games. Yeah, Doom I was. Or I, yeah. Wolfenstein 3D. I was too innocent 
I'll tell you a story sometime about when I was 15. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wasn't looking at Paul. I think you carried a briefcase at 15, if oh, I remember don't correctly. Share, don't share too much. <laughs> That's for a different episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you can see by these. Now, there's another one which says um, that there's circumstantial evidence that suggests that children with autism and Asperger's could be more vulnerable to becoming hackers. So... All, we, uh, we, can't, we can't answer that one. No, I know. I just think all these examples I've just given you, I think, are um, signs that someone's into computing, really. I don't think yeah. any of these are suggestive of someone going down a hacker route. It just means IT enthusiast, really, right. isn't it? Right, right. And so but think- are, are there all the ones that are like, are there some of the ones that you think they're actually pretty good indicators? Eats a lot of pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, no, I night. do. Yes, yeah. So I did separate the list. So you're right, Vanya. So here are the other ones. So there's, a, you know, they use the language of hacking, such as DDoS, doxing bots, botnets, cracking, hash. Okay, that's interesting. Oh, I've got one. I've got one. Okay. Where's a baseball cap? <laughs> Where's a baseball cap? Sideways. <laughs> <laughs> Clear sign of a hacker, if you ask me. <laughs> um, he uses ref- the word such as he was pawned. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uses leet speak, man. Yeah, yeah. Now, there is some interesting ones here, like that they have it. What, what do you think about if they have a web browser called Tor? Oh. The uh, Onion Router. So they're using the Onion Router. Do you think Wait that's... a second. That's not bad at all. Right? It's just about privacy. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Um, they just want to keep I... their porn habit private. Yeah, and if they can connect to the Wi-Fi of nearby houses. Well, I was just thinking, well, if they don't have any, if they don't have good security, it'd be pretty easy. But anyway, so there are some good ones here. There are some not good. I think what worried me about this list is if you were not in the industry and you read this list, you went, oh, my son or my daughter's in a room all the time. She's always in the computer. She's always playing games or, she, you know, she must be a hacker. But it's true that some parents are actually kind of teaching their kids or making sure that their kids don't spend more than a certain amount of time on their computers or their phones. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a big problem, you know, excessive screen time. But I think I think you make a valid point, though, Crow, is that, you know, I, I think this has probably been written with good intentions, but people will, of course, there is a danger that people will panic and think, oh, my goodness, my son's a hacker. He's going mm. to end up on the front page of the tabloids and be arrested at any point. Well, he's, he's just an everyday internet addict. Yeah, well, exactly. But you can imagine a similar list being shared with parents of, is your child secretly taking drugs or something? These are the warning signs. And unless you're into IT and technology, you may misidentify these signs and th- assume your children are malicious hackers right. when they're and, not cyber criminals imagine, at all. Imagine the chasm that you're going to create in that, you know, the intervention meeting you're going to have, you know, yeah. where you're basically accusing your kid of doing this, right? So I think proceed carefully and make sure if you have suspicions, it's fine to go look into it. But I think, you know, don't follow this list blindly. Um, I find it a little bit uh, uh, irresponsible to have published all these things. I don't know. It doesn't seem right to me at all. Mm. Um, and as one commenter on the register where the article was covered said, the most competent white hats were black hats first. The end. We should talk sometime about the naughty things that we did before we joined the computer security industry. I'll happily listen to your stories, Graham. <laughs> I never did anything yeah. wrong. Yeah. Vanya, Vanya's an angel. I don't reveal anything. I did nothing as well. It's going to be a short episode, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Now we have a new section, don't we, coming right now? Oh, we do. Graham oh. and Vanya. Graham oh. and Vanya. Are we really yep. going to do this? Yep. And I'm going to be smug during it. <clears throat> we have to. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming today for the section of the podcast, which we call Sorry, We Cocked Up. Um, 
I think it's important for us to apologize if we make mistakes, and I need to apologize because in God, the grandstanding, just get on with it. (laughs) Hang on, please, this is awkward. In episode eight, I said you couldn't remove your tag when your friends on Facebook tag you in a photo. Turns out you can. Um, Back in the day, people were tagging me in photographs and I hid them from my timeline and so they wouldn't appear there. And on deeper investigation, prompted by one of our listeners, I looked into it again and I can now at least remove my tag. Although you have to temporarily put it back on your timeline in order to remove the tag and then completely eradicate it. Of course, it doesn't delete the photo. Your friend has still uploaded it, but at least you're no longer tagged. And wouldn't it be a better world? This is me not really saying sorry. Wouldn't it be a better world if Facebook actually requested your permission before someone could tag you in something? That would be the right way to do it. But regardless of that, I gave out erroneous information. So sorry about that. That's sorry from Graham. One minute long apology. Well, I stand corrected for, and I need to apologize for suggesting that Code Red was an SQL worm while it was Internet Information Services worm, and I mixed it up with SQL Slammer, which was the worm that affected SQL. Nevertheless, it was the similar way how they operated. There was a memory only, no file. So the example, I guess, still works, but I do apologize. Vanya, that sounded a little bit like a sorry but. Yeah, PR apology. That that wasn't a real apology because it was like, nevertheless, no, no, it was more or less accurate. And let's be honest, he didn't suggest it. He said it, right? That was was an alternative explanation. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Alternative apology. Just say sorry. I'm sorry. I have absolutely nothing to apologize for this week. So there you go. Yay me. Well done, Carol. Well done, Carol. Hmm. Well, that just about wraps it up for this week. Um, don't forget that we're on iTunes and available on other podcast apps as well. So go and check us out there. Subscribe if you like, and maybe even leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. It does mean a lot to us. Um, so check us out on Twitter as well, where we are hanging out at Smash In without a G, Smash In Security, uh, where you can leave a message, tell your friends. And uh, all that remains is for me, on behalf of myself, Carole and Vanya, to say cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.